Good evening, YouTube. All right, so right now, Matt Martin is in a car somewhere. He might be at a truck stop. He might not be. I'm he here. Could be out there hunting. He could be out there <laughs> hunting for the truck stop serial killer and turf. If you don't know who that is, you really ought to look into it. There's probably a podcast out there about somewhere. With us tonight, though, tonight and tonight only, we have a very special guest. Colby, go ahead and introduce yourself real quick. Hey, yeah, I'm Colby, and uh, I own, I'm part of the Otmo network, and I'm located in Wichita, and uh, we specialize in robotic mowers. Outstanding. So also with us tonight, we've got Mr. Ray Ito. Ray, how are you way out there in Hawaii right now? Well, today I'm, uh, you know, enjoying enjoying a nice day, sort of. <laughs> sort of. Well, you're here with us now, Ray, so of course... It's going to be a nice day, right? Absolutely. I mean, Thirsty Thursday is the highlight of my week. It is for mine, too. And you know what? I want to show everybody here something real quick. And if you're a member, you'll have access to get this. And if you don't know if you're a member or not, slide on down there just below the video that you see there and click the membership button and go ahead and uh, join us in whatever way you feel is necessary and appropriate. However, I do want to show this off. Uh, compliments of our fearless producer mr john pinkerton uh, has created these beautiful scotch glasses which of course i'm drinking beer out of because if i drink brown liquor uh or brown water uh, bad things happen so i try to stay with the beers but in any regard take a look at that customized with our thirsty thursday logo and the grass factor logo certainly uh a nice touch, J-Pink, don't you think, for, for Thirsty Thursday? Even if you're drinking uh, French roast like Ray is right now. Yeah, even if you're drinking actually, French roast. Actually, when I get, when I get mine, uh, you're going to see me set up with a Virgin Mary. A Virgin Mary. Okay. Yeah, a, vir maybe, a Virgin maybe Mary... Maybe some what, Ryan? <laughs> I was going to say maybe some O'Doul's because that's what all beer drinkers drink when they're not drinking beer. Actually, I'm. What I, what it's probably going to end up uh, in the Virgin Mary is uh, most likely some additional vitamins and minerals, and uh, yeah, because I, I try to stay healthy. And Matt is laughing right now. <laughs> I, I was just going to say that if you would like a custom rosary, I'm sure we can work one of those out for you, too. That's all. <laughs> mm -hmm. we, we can do that, too. Whatever you need. We can, right? we we can wanna, do that. We want to support, support your, uh, your journey towards uh, health and wellness and vitality. Always, always. All right. Um, so Colby reached out to me, oh gosh, it's been a month or so now, and he had a, real, a lot of really cool things to say. Now, I'll, I'll back this up and say for a second, um, you know, if, if you don't know about Otmo, I know a little bit. I'll let Colby fill in the details. Uh, so I think I know the guy, I, I know I know the guy who founded Otmo uh, here in Columbus. Uh, his name's Jeff. I'm not going to give out his last name. He's a super good guy. And, you know, a little bit of his background and story was that uh, seven or eight years ago, he really wanted to buy a uh, robotic mower, right, for his house uh, here, in, here in Central Ohio. 
and couldn't do it. There was nowhere to do that here in the United States. And so he was into marketing at the time and started to figure out, well, hey, if there's a, a niche here, and there certainly has got to be more people than like that are like myself that would like to buy one of these, you know, capitalism and the American dream took over, and, and Jeff has built a company and since franchised it and spread it all across the country into many, many different areas of it to uh, try and do that, to try and help people buy. Uh, I think you've got at least a couple of different brands, if not three or four now, Colby. So I'll let you kind of fill in the backstory of, of Otmo, of what you know that I might have missed out on, and you know how you came into it and what your background is uh, in turf in general. Yeah, so my story is pretty similar to Jeff. Um, he was just better at it than I did, and I decided I didn't want to, you know, start from scratch. So I just joined the network. We're not really a um, franchise, though. I don't really know what well, we were kind of independent operating, and we kind of have uh, work with the manufacturers independently a little bit. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, no, why well, I was the same way. I, I I was not a believer, and I installed one on a customer's yard and a two-acre property, and I was pretty blown away. And I said, there's something here probably. And since I'm in the industry, my family has been that, uh, you know, I decided that uh, I should probably behoove me to, to check it out and see what they can do. And, and, uh, I've been impressed uh, for the most part uh, ever since. That's good. So how long has that been since you, you installed that first unit then? It's been about five years and yeah, there wasn't a whole lot of, there wasn't a whole lot of support. It was just kind of figure it out on your own. So I, I learned a lot and it's, it's a lot better now. I mean, a lot of these companies have really invested uh, quite a bit of capital and money and, and uh, they really, they're, they're, they're advancing very, very quickly. Uh, the wireless one no just came on this year and it's, it's pretty, pretty impressive. Um, even week to week, the new updates, what they can do is uh, impressive. It may, it makes you pay attention. So tell me about commercial. For sure, for sure. So let's take this at the homeowner level first, and then let's graduate up to the commercial side of things, because this is an interesting topic. And I do think that, you know, at a homeowner level, I guess what are when you go out and talk to folks, right, in Wichita, what are some of maybe the biggest, um, I guess their their biggest needs of why they need one or why they think they need one, and then maybe you know, when you're going to close the sale, maybe what are some of the biggest objections you hear that are you know either the biggest or the most common ones. Yeah. So really you have the people that just think they're cool and I just want one. And those are the easiest. So they, they almost know more about you, more about them than you do by the time you get there. So that's a pretty easy <laughs> thing to close on. And then a lot of people, you know, just price. I mean, things are getting so expensive. So people are looking at, mm-hmm. they don't want to change the oil. They don't want to, you know, blades. They don't, they don't really want to pay someone else to do it. Um, a lot of my customers surprisingly have been kind of in the older, kind of demographic to 65 and older that didn't want to do it anymore, but they didn't want stranger people on the property. So they opted and they're very easy to maintain and they're light. And, and I was, I was kind of surprised at how quickly they grabs the technology and, and they just ran with it. So, um, some of the biggest complaints and some of we, I'm best few markets. So they don't strike probably the biggest. Uh, and then, you know, you get people that say, well, they don't pick up leaves. They don't trim, which I mean, a mower doesn't trim any a mower doesn't trim either. You have to trim regardless. So, but yeah, you know, so it, the yeah, new technology is hard to get people yeah. in. People just can't get their minds around, you know, how it works. And is, is it going to be better for me? Is it going to cause more problems than it, it solves and, and stuff like that? 
No, I, I think that's right. And I think that's the one thing that people, especially homeowners, maybe miss out on, right? That it, it this isn't the 100% silver bullet solution for your lawn, but it's going to take, depending on, you know, where you live and what kind of yard you have, anywhere from 80 to 95% of the work off your plate, right? Like that's, that's the selling yeah. point, not necessarily that it's going to do everything under the sun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some people, well, that, because, you know, the tractors just kind of, I mean, I don't think it's any coincidence that the biggest most of my customers you're on that acre and a half to two acre site to where you know it is just expensive to you're either going to pay someone 150 dollars a week to mow it or you know you're going to go out and buy a five thousand dollar six thousand dollar ride-on type unit uh, you know to take care of it yourself and and spend three hours to do it so that's kind of where the price point is probably the sweetest is probably that 350 the high line where you're paying like 75 Mm dollars a month you know and if you can max it out at two acres, that's kind of the, the sweet spot right now. Is so. Yeah. Do you right have now, any we'll talk about what's coming with up. the mowers at, at two acres. Uh, it, it, you know, there's a lot of factors. You know how what grass type, you know how fast is that grass type growing? Usually, you know, on a two acre site, you have maybe twenty thousand square feet of actual fertilized and nice turf, and the rest of it's just kind of field grass. Um, I, I haven't had any problem at all on those. But then I have some sites that are like nine acres that are all fertilized, all irrigated. And, you know, I've been experimenting in the spring, you know, when it's wet and, you know, it's growing an inch a day. You know, they can run into a little bit of, I mean, it's not bad. It doesn't do a bad job. It just, you can just tell it's not keeping up as good as it would, you know, on a smaller area. I mean, the house farm rates about an acre and a quarter. I think that's pretty safe to go off of. So then tell me about that. Like, so, you know, and this is something I run to, and I know commercial folks would talk about the same thing. And Ray would probably even ask this question too. So, you know, let's put it in my, in my world of say like a high school football field, right? That's, you know, let's just call it two acres, but that thing's got to play and look the same day in and day out. Cause maybe they have a soccer game on Tuesday. They've got a football game on Friday and in between, you know, maybe a practice or who knows. Right. So, yeah, you know, how do you deploy these things to keep it the same day in and day out? I mean, is, obviously, right now, I think that yeah. just requires more units to be more consistent. But you maybe take us to yeah, where no, it is right. now, and then where where it's head where is headed in the next year or two. Yeah, so it's just a different way to look at things, right? I mean, one unit can do you know, an acre and a half, maybe up to two acres, but that's mowing all the time. So that's max now to kick. It can mow for 18 hours a day, and then it's going to ask a charge for the rest. So, and it covers 2,400 mm-hmm. square feet in that car. So that's roughly an acre a day of coverage you're getting. Um, you can kind of, kind of use it that way. But obviously on a field, you have to actually play on the field, you know, on the lawn or a commercial site. You don't necessarily have to go play a sport on it. So, yeah, kind of the solution sure. now is to have, you know, multiple units a uh, house farm solution, anyways, is the club club solution. So you have multiple units on the same one, so you're like up to three. So you, you know you you just have a mow overnight, and then for the rest of the day it's good. Or um, you know, Echo has their big uh, one that does three acres, so mm-hmm. that gets on and off pretty quick. It, it's it's a pretty big machine. So in, in order and, in terms in of future, go ahead. Yeah, and in the future, I mean, is and we can talk about this too a little later. Is, probably going to be the Siora and that's, you know, you're looking at a three, six, that's going to cut in patterns. So it's going to cut in lines and, um, 
Yeah, but I have I sent some JPEG to some video of that. So we, a little bit later, but that, that's kind of the future of commercial slash, you know, sports turf would be the would be the Siora. That's good. That's good. So the um, okay. So then for the commercial guys, right? The 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 landscapers that are out there thinking, hey, this is going to put me out of business, right? If I'm a full service landscape you know, company or if I, you know, I do mowing along with Furt and Squirt and things like that. What's the, I guess, what have you seen not only in the Wichita market, but also in other markets and people that you talk to in the, in the Opmo network to bringing this into your business and having it make financial sense, you know, at different properties or uh, converting customers over to it and that thing, that type of thing. Has that been something that is, is, more commonplace now that the technology is more accepted, more widely adopted, or what? Depends on where you're at in the, in the country. Uh, some places are a little further along than others. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I will say, yeah, and the, we yeah we'd love to have more people in the outward network come from the commercial side of things. I think there's me and a few other ones that kind of have commercial um, experience. And as to putting people out of business, yeah, that that's not going to happen. Um, I mean, you might lose some jobs, but you know, to me, you're just replacing with higher paying jobs. So that's, that's, that's a win. Um, there's always something, oh, no. to do. there's always weed, there's always, there's always on a commercial site, there's always <laughs> trash cigarette butts and there's always something to do. No, and that's what I mean. I said, I mean, when I say putting somebody out of a job, I don't necessarily mean bankrupting them, but to the extent that, okay, Hey, we're going to leverage our mowing at, you know, this big commercial site that we, we know we have in the bag. It's always going to be here. Um, do you see folks doing that? in certain instances in their business to say, Hey, you know what? We don't want to come out here and spend six hours on the mo crew with, you know, three guys. We'd rather send one or two guys to make sure the, you know, the bots are good, pick up all the trash, pull some weeds, spray some stuff, whatever weed eat, uh, and, and be on our way. I mean, are people there yet in the way that they're looking at, it, at jobs and bidding jobs? It, it's getting, yeah, it's getting, it's getting really close. I think some people will be making moves, but, yeah, it's yeah. So it's kind of what a lot of people are looking at just production. So instead of needing four people on a crew, you know, you might need two, and you might have to have, you know, I which I don't know why people make turf islands in the middle of the parking lot, but you know, you might have to go once a week or whatever, go out there and and kind of hit those areas and do a little bit of trimming, do a little bit of the trash and other things that you do on a commercial site. Um, or really, I mean, you could just get away from the weekly model. Um, and what we kind of see is, you know, you have your rights and you have your other your other units that are more of like a traditional mower that, um, you know, mm-hmm. mow and cut. And it's just like a retrofitted mower. And then we have what we call on-site robotics. So that'd be like the hustle they have to um, stay on site. And I really like the on-site. I, I prefer those to the, to the rights that don't solve as many problems for me. Like, uh, you know, you're trying to solve a little bit of problem. You still need a trailer. You still need a truck. You still need guys to go move it around you still have to change the oil you still have to sharpen the blades um but the on-site i mean you can pull up with this you know a little ranger and a little bit of equipment and you know, add it and it really simplifies. It, it it's it makes it simple once you get your mind around how they work it really simplifies long care and i, I mean the commercial people I mean, like what's the biggest what's the biggest obstruction to growth in your company it's labor it's getting the right people uh, in the right place so if you can put people and make them do more margin higher margin work i mean that's that's going to be a win for everybody 
it, it, and that's where I was thinking with it just out loud. It's like this solves so many people's labor issues, right? Um, because that has to be the most crippling aspect of the green industry right now is nobody can find anybody to work. And as long as there's a labor shortage and now all of a sudden you can take the guys who actually want to be there, want to grow with you, want to support the business. And, uh, it, it, you know, now it, it, it allows them to exactly capture more of that revenue that the robot is producing and not having to rely on someone who's calling in three days a week because, you know, they've got a doctor's appointment or a knee hurts or, um, or, or, you know, insert said excuse that gets repeated a hundred times, uh, you know, through the course of the growing season, right? And, you know, you've got yeah. those two, three guys that are going to show up no matter what, you know, it's like they're the guys you've got to tell, like, listen, that's a nasty cut. Stay home. Like, let it heal for a couple of days before you start filling up with the uh, two something, you know? So it just, yeah. it seems to well, me it's just, like I mean, it's a win it's win. It's a problem solver. Yeah. Well, I mean, putting putting someone on a mower that goes 15 miles an hour that weighs 700 pounds is a skill. You know, it's it's a day. It can be dangerous. I mean, I'm surprised there's not more. We just had someone die, you know, last month uh, rolling a mower over into a pond. So it's, you know, it's a skilled labor. People don't look at it as skilled, but it really is. So it's so much easier to train. You know, if you don't have to train people to, to operate a 700-pound mower, you know, that, that's it's. I mean, training is very difficult, you know, before you trust people to, to get out there with, on those things. So simply, it simplifies your training. Yeah, it's going to simplify your labor. It's going to better labor allocation. And you can focus on higher margin work. And, and then I, I think you get a better end result um, just in terms of cut quality. You might not get the stripes yet, but um, in terms of actual cut quality, you know, I, you're going to get a very good cut. And it's always mowed, so the commercial sites love that, you know, and some of the homeowners too. But it it always looks good. Yeah, from a commercial aspect, it just makes so much sense to me on so many different levels. That um, if it hasn't been considered, you know, what a what a, what a what a great way to rebrand and market yourself as being something different, like. It, because that's part of the, the stagnation that occurs within the industry, right? Is what separates me from my competition. Oh, well, the quality of my work, or I show up when I say I'm going to show up. Uh, but what a revolutionary idea of, you know, well, I've got a fleet of robots that are, that are going to take care of this. And then I've got a couple of really highly qualified people that are going to come in and, you know, finish out that extra 10%, 15% that keeps everything just in absolute pristine condition. I mean, that, just saying that out loud, I'm like, wow, I want that. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's great. That, that's what I tell customers too. It's, it's, I, I try to simply, you know, it's, it's, it's the irrigation system that cuts your yard. Like you don't have to oversee, you don't have to make it complicated. It just goes out there on a timer and it, it cuts your yard. Like you don't, you, if something's wrong with it, I go repair it just like I would, I, you know, irrigation system. So I don't have to dig and have to worry about solenoids. I don't have to uh, hate irrigation, but, you know, it's just, it's just a simple <laughs> system. It, uh, you know, they're easy to fix. They're cheap to fix. I mean, these companies have done a really good job of making things easy to. I mean, on a Husqvarna, every single screw involved in a Husqvarna is a T20, except for one. There's a T27. Thank you, engineers, that on the blades. But other than that, everything can you can fix anything with a T20. <laughs> you don't have to have someone with a special diesel 
you know, knowledge or, or transmission knowledge or hydro knowledge. It's just, so you're opening your, so now people, anybody that's built a computer can fix the automotive. I mean, my nine-year-old daughter helps me <laughs> fix, fix automotors when they're out. It's, it's, so there's, there's a lot of benefits outside of just labor and, and just maintenance and, and it's just hard to get into, but yeah, but it, they're just simple. They've done a very good job. I mean, I, like I tell people, um, the automotor to Husqvarna is like the iPhone is to the Apple. Like if the automotor fails, Husqvarna fails. So they have, they're not going to let it fail. It's not, it's not some novelty or toy. I mean, it's, it's, it's a serious unit. Ryan goose your audio, Ryan. I said serious unit, Ray. You've heard those words before, right? <laughs> I should have thought about that before. I came yeah, yeah. You said it. Yeah, I've I've weeks. heard. No, I I've heard that, and I'm just envisioning, you know, a more like that for what I could call higher cut turf. I'm I'm just you know envisioning it and uh, and that is why for example believe it or not in my market I tell people because of you know various logistics you are an appropriate site for something like say St Augustine grass and the reason for that is because. Uh, I'm familiar with the cutting mechanisms on these automowers. And so in order for something like this to be relevant, you need to have the right kind of turf grass, you know, that matches the mower. And that's a, that's a real... Yeah, question. There's, a lot, there's a lot of truth to that. Yeah. Where, where yeah, do these because, things... Uh, where do they struggle, like that, that like grass types in particular? Because I've seen people with all grass types using them, but I'm just saying, like, where if you were going to rank or put, you know, hey, these are the these are the ones that you got to be really careful with, and these are the ones that it's super easy to maintain. What would yeah. you say based on your experience? Uh, enough, yeah. Now, oddly enough, what's funny is, you know, they were, they were obviously made in Sweden, and they had no idea what Bermuda was over in Sweden. And we tried to explain it mm-hmm. to them, and they just didn't believe it. that was a grass. So the first thing they did when they got off the plane, you know, they look at this, that's not grass. They picked up a stolen, you know, that's not. What is this? It's not. But oddly enough, I think that's probably where it shines the most. Even though it wasn't designed to cut Bermuda, it really does a fantastic job um, on Bermuda. Um, I don't have any experience on Zoysia, so I can't say that. Um, I do. Or, or I do. Augustine. Because I have somebody here locally that tried an automower on what is that Zeon Zoisha big fail big fail uh, uh, that's not the fault of the mower that's because that grass sucks that's because that grass sucks yeah I mean that that is not uh, yeah and because I you know am also on this basic campaign where if I were God all of these trendy zoysia varieties and Cetra pespellum would all be gone and your grass types would be between either common Bermuda or St. Augustine because 
I can see an auto mower doing very well on something like common Bermuda, which is not nearly as dense and it doesn't have such a low mowing requirement. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, yeah, I, I, they've done fantastic. I mean, we've had them on golf courses on, on Bermuda. Like I said, we haven't had any on Zoysia, so I can't speak to the Zoysia. The, the biggest problem with fescue is uh, getting the mow time right. Like, you don't want it running all the time on, on fescue. It's going to lay it down and trample it, and it's not going to look good. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, pe- people just love them. So they want to put it on an 8,000 square foot property and have a mow 24. It's like, that's not how you do it on fescue. You know, you have. You know, only needs to mow like three or four hours a day. You know, on a on a property like that, if you have a bigger unit on there, so so that I think that's the biggest challenge on on the fescue and keeping the blades sharp. Like, don't, some people want to change them once a year. It's like, hey, you got to change them at least once a month. Yeah. <laughs> adult blade is the same on on a reel on a on any mower. Adult blade's bad. So absolutely, I mean that's uh, and the other factor about this whole automotive situation is true or false you set height of cut when you are setting up the unit right no you can adjust it i mean there's a there's a range that you can choose from and if you want to go down you can't go from you know three inches to an inch that's not going to happen you know you're gonna have to go from three inches to 2.8 inches to 2.6 inches to you know 2.4 inches yeah they'd be kind of mechanical um but yeah, I mean, this yeah. isn't something that's going to come in and cut, you know, three inches off your grass at once. Yeah, because, uh, for example, part of correctly maintaining a grass like, say, you know, a warm season grass like, say, your zoysia or your, or your Bermuda is being able to, at this moment, cut it down. Not incrementally. Yeah. Just cut it down. That, that's uh, that, that, and we still that's what's, the mow. Yeah, some of the sides. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just I mean, that's just get out and then so yeah, they're not going to replace replace mowers. That's not what uh, necessarily what they're looking to do. Um, they're just looking to uh, with labor and, and other things like that. But there's always going to be a place for for physical actual mowers. Yes, yeah, because uh, it's, it's in between, right? Right, Ray? Yeah, yeah it's, it's in between and uh, because I even can see this in, you know, turf grasses because I'm in that world where everything is kept below an inch that, you know, the you can't oversimplify, you know, maintenance or even mowing of a grass under an inch that doesn't lend itself well to oversimplification or automation unless you tell me that uh, you have an actual robotic uh, 11 blade reel that can vary height of cut on command Well, I mean, we, they would, they've done studies at like the University of Georgia and some, you know, uh, other European. And I think uh, JP has some some slides that I sent them that um, they performed slightly better than reels. Um, I mean, I don't think enough to say they do better significantly than reels, but the quality was considered uh, slightly better. 
Um, yeah, those are some of the yeah the slides on the tall fescue, and then I'm not really sure what Manila grass. Um, I know exactly what Manila grass is. Manila grass is Zoysia matrella, which is very similar in texture to Z52. Oh, okay. Southeast Asia, Zoysia, baby. Yep, Korean. Yeah, so, but, but yeah, like you said, I mean, you do more than just mow grass. I mean, there's other things you have to, you know, you're going to have to do to it. Yeah, that, that's kind of the cut. On, uh, I just changed the blades on that uh, shot right recently there. Recently so replaced. Kind of, yeah. yeah. Recently so, so replaced. If you want that kind of quality, you know, you're going to, yeah, you're going to have to do it about once a week, probably, if you want to maintain you know, that level of, of cut, like that right there. Right. Which because, is what they kind of uh, really sports field. Just for everybody at home, how much, is it, uh, how much does it cost to change a set of blades? What's the material uh, parts cost? Ah, it's like a dollar a blade, and there's so it's like three bucks. I mean, a homeowner can do it once a month. I mean, if you're not, I mean, that's you know, not everybody necessarily needs that level of, of cut. Sure. But that is with a once a week change of the blades, and I I don't know if you know this or. Is that on the zoysia grass? That's that because, yeah. okay, because I'm familiar with having to mow like acres of zoysia a month and maintain that depicted quality of cut. I, there, there's zero tolerance for any kind of shredding of leaf tips. Zero, zero tolerance for it. Yeah, How so I mean, so, to change the blades. Yeah, you need a, a P two, in about five minutes. <laughs> These little screws. So you just you just flip the mower over, and there's you know little holes that line up, and you just unscrew them and, and put them back in. It's a lot easier than sharpening a reel. Tell you that. Oh yeah, that's definitely. Yeah for sure it's a lot easier to sharpen a reel however you know that you know what you said about once a week i could imagine putting an automower on a zoysia lawn and needing to change the blades every week if not more often i could imagine now, doing I that i wanted to send you one right well actually uh i think the Hawaii. Actually, some actually somebody I've already never. got actually somebody already got an automower, and his name is Sean over at Hawaiian Turfgrass, and that's how I know how an automower performs on Zoisha. Is he? What is he? Changing the blades once a week, or? Well, he knocked it knocked it down with a greens mower, and then he tried to use it in maintenance mode, you know, after it got knocked down and thinned out and it didn't work well enough to be commercially acceptable. It yeah, didn't well, work that well. He, he might have had it on, it might just not work on Zoysia, I don't know, but it might have been just too big of an area or, you know, not the right, right the mower or he's not changing the blades. You know, there's a lot, there's a lot of factors. Or else, you know, 
or else not not even the right kind of zoysia grass because I know you happen to try it on a kind of zoysia that is extremely challenging to mow. So I can't necessarily blame the machine because uh, I know that for that one type of zoysia, it is hard and hard to mow and I have challenges mowing it even with my Toro Greensmaster 1000 with the extra hardened blades. So far, because of it's all just the like, brands, of all the brands mm-hmm. that are out right now, which are your favorite? <laughs> uh, I, I mean, nothing's really close to Husqvarna right now. Um, they've just been at it longer. And uh, they have more resources um, invested into it. Um, I mean, the Echo has the ball picker, which that's really cool. And, you know, us far can't pick up your golf balls in your driving range. So if that's what you need it to do, then you know, the Echo is a, you know, a good option. But, um, you know, no one else is no one else is paying universities to do quality studies. And everything. I mean, us far is the one doing all that. So, so I'm kind of a, a fanboy at the moment for them. You know, I, I wouldn't mind some, you know, decent competition, but. And there's some companies doing some cool things, but you know they're still a little bit away from from Husqvarna. I'm gonna flip back to the uh, the commercial side of things, and I'm I'm just gonna throw a brand out there that you may or may not know anything about. Um, but being in that space, I thought you might be able to shed some light on it, and that would be a Green Z G R E N Z I E. Are you familiar with that? Company. Um, is, I thought Greensy was working on the right exclusively now. Really? I Can think, I mean, I could which, be, it seemed like that. It seems like Greensy is working just with right, and they kind of, I don't think they're going to work from the bottom up to create something. I think they're just going to retrofit or right now, yeah. rights, but I think in the future more. Um, unless I'm getting the name so of the company. Too, what, what's, what's, your, what's your take on Gray's? Um, heard of that? I don't know how it's going to be. Ele- every electrical engineer I talk to say solar can't power something like that. So I don't know how without the charging station or, or, uh, cause I know, I know Greensy has said that they, because they tried to do um, with a mean green and I just didn't get the run times out of a mean green because of the battery. Um, so I don't know. I don't think a solar panel is going to help, uh, grades out too much. But, I mean, they could, they could obviously change that. So, but like yeah, I, I said, like, I like the stay, yeah, I like the units that stay on site. I prefer those because, like a Green Z or a Gray's, you know, I still have to have a trailer. I still have to have, you know, uh, you know, a big truck, and I still have to pull it. I still have to get it out and and put it out on the thing. And they can only go three miles an hour, so I'm not really sure if a guy going ten miles an hour, you know, it might be. You know, I don't think it's going to save me any labor time. And they still, you know, and, and in terms of the weather, you don't have to worry about the weather anymore because it's always cut. So, you know, you're still going to be limited in the weather in terms of the Greensy and the, and the Greensy mowers. You know, if, it, if it's too wet, they're not going to be able to mow, just like the, the commercial mower wouldn't be able to mow. So uh, on that, that's another good point that you just brought up about on-site mowers. Go ahead. All right. So the... Um, 
Okay, so the one thing that always comes up when I talk to folks about these things and, and some of the bigger in what I want to call institutional turf, right? So this is K-12 schools, Parks and Rec, things like that, universities. The, the two things that come up a lot are vandalism, safety, and I guess you can call one more thing, which is be, you know, people outright stealing. It's just theft. So talk a little bit for the average person that's listening. How do you deal with those issues, right? The vandalism, the safety concerns of if somebody runs into it, bumps into it, flips it over, whatever, and then the theft piece. What, what, what happens with all that stuff? Um, so, so theft has kind of stopped being a thing now because huh, there's been a couple of, of times where thieves have stolen them and then put them in their storage lockers and the police, you know, they track it on their phone and the police go there and they, you know, find their little hideout with all the other stolen goods. So uh, thievery isn't, uh, vandalism would be much more of a concern to me than just someone taking smashing with a baseball bat or something than stealing it. So, um, which insurance is, is going to cover. Well, it depends on the model, but. The house farm is, yeah, if they have the X, you know, or you put a GPS tracking chip in them, then yeah. Um, not all of them are, but a lot, yeah, a lot of them do. So um, in terms of safety, I mean, we had them at the art museum, and there's quite a few people down there, and a lot of people like to ride their bikes, and we had it crossing over the pavement, and uh, we didn't have any. any. I mean, those blades, you know, aren't, aren't going to hurt you. even if they. I mean, they, they might hurt you, but, I mean, it's not, you're not going to lose a limb. You get they're so far into the mower that it would be difficult to even even get your foot or hand even under there without tripping one of the other sensors off before it even got there. Excuse me. Um, so the yeah, I was, was going to so say, you flip it over. if you pick it up, yeah, the blades will stop. Yeah, blades stop instantly. Any left sensor goes off, it 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 shuts down. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I think, I think in Europe, it's like two or three million of them. I don't think they've had a, any serious injuries from them. So, and I, I know other plants, you know, around here, in Wichita, that have gone to like automated systems. Like even our grocery stores now have automated sweepers that go through them. And I, uh, you know, I think the safety, I think they're just safer than than the alternatives. Yeah, nothing like getting run over by uh, somebody in a grocery store with the <laughs> propane-powered floor buffer, because uh -oh. because that uh -oh. that is that is a risk. Caller, you're live. Caller. Uh, who's Caller. calling in? Are you there? Caller. Hello. Hey, I think this is the guy that invented the two-cycle lawn boy that all of our dads had growing up. Oh, that was sad. I don't know what's going on. Two-cycle, two-cycle lawn boy hung up. He got stage yeah. fright. That was. Those are the best. Uh, you know, can we just talk about lo lawnmower pantheon here for a minute? Because Ray, cover your ears. The greatest mower ever invented was the lawn boy twenty-one. I mean, that thing was like 25 to 1, two cycle. Dual blade, that, that price card. Yeah, that son of a bitch would last forever. Yeah, I uh, actually, actually, I don't disagree with that because you know what uh, What those two cycle lawn boys are good for? Chop, 
chopping trash on steep embankments. Caller, you're live. Can you hear us? <laughs> Hello? <clears throat> Long time caller. Long time caller, first Robot time stroker. Must be causing uh, interference with this call. Yeah, don't hold it so close to your ear. It can cause cancer. Whose phone's ringing now? <laughs> Mine. Is it? Oh, this guy, I thought that I don't was somebody. This guy is doing, but he is messing with us. I, I know, I know who it is. I know that voice very well. Yeah, I know who it is too. He's a robot mower owner, so I don't think he's here to set you straight, Col Colby. I think it's other people here. He wants to. He wants yeah, to he, make he, a he, he, he's no, he's like mad at me right. Down. Yeah, he's mad no, at I me mean, because. No one, yeah, no. They've they've impressed the supers. I mean, we're hopefully moving forward with a big golf course project, and you know they weren't a believer in it. And you know, yeah, I put it out there for a couple of months, and you know, no more clippings. You know, it's always cut. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it's just it's it, it really. Yeah, I mean, on undulation, I mean, it's really hard to beat uh, how well they cut on undulation. Uh, no scalping. It's it's uh, the the membership even liked it. That was my biggest concern, but. You know, they they were they were all fans. So, okay, cut up here. It looks cut. However, I think of turf in terms of more than just keeping it cut, because I also think in terms of thatch and density management. It's more than just no, cutting it. When you have like a I'm gonna you know a seventeen year old kid on a zero turn is your other option then <laughs> or on a Jacobson, you no. know, sixty thousand dollar Jacobson then uh I'm, you know I'm gonna push back a little bit, Ray. I'm gonna say that like the, that's the thing, is like the the, the point of these I'm not giving is up. only the, Jay Pink just can't can you hear out us or what the audio to come to the phone. Just talk to us then. Uh can you hear us? Can you hear us now? All right, you guys keep going. We'll we'll just hold on a second. You guys just keep talking. All right. So, all I'm pushing all I'm pushing back on is this: is that like these aren't meant to be the the all encompassing solution. Like I think the way that these end up getting deployed is going to be very different from the homeowner level and every step of the way up to the highest levels of turf grass management you're still going to have to do cultural practices. You're still, you know, especially at the highest levels, you're still going to have to have a qualified professional looking out at, the, at those greens, tees, well, not greens, but, you know, tees, fairways, uh, and roughs every single day at those sports fields every single day. Like, that's not going to go away. I think the whole point is, and, and this is what Colby's trying to say, is that, you know, at least, you know, from what I see in my vantage point, you know, in sports turf, let's just say, let's just take that for a second. And then I can talk about golf courses too. People are strapped for time, right? And what is the biggest time suck of anything that we do, right? Out there in those types of situations, it's mowing. Now let's think about like what you just said, Colby, let's talk about the, the acre and a half, two acre lot that somebody has that spends two, three hours mowing on a zero term. What's the biggest time suck there? And their lawn care efforts. Mowing. So take that time, reallocate 100% of it, 75% of it, 50% of it, 25% of it. I don't care how lazy of a bastard you are, you can still get some good shit done while you're waiting for that thing to mow. That's the whole point. Yeah. And 
you know, if you're, you know, if you're already cut and you're chasing behind it doing, you know, verticutting, if you're doing phrase mowing, if you're doing airification, if you're doing whatever, you know, those are times where, yeah, like if I'm airifying fairways on a golf course, I'm not putting that mower back out there until our holes are healed over. Is that a detriment, you know, to buying yeah. it? Is that a, is that a, is that a barrier to buying it? Hell yeah. No, it's not. So that's one of those things where you got to realize what the limitations of it are. Just like, you know, a real mower, like, Hey, when it's, when it's super wet, I can't put that out there. Um, when it's super high, I'm going to have to cut it twice. Maybe I don't have to have that issue anymore because the auto mower is able to get out there sooner and do, you know, and mow sooner in a time uh, where we're really wet, things like that. So I just think it's, it's another tool in the toolbox. It's an overplayed, overused cliche line these days. But, man, if there was ever something that was going to come in here and at least make a difference in what we do on a day-to-day, this is it. Now, I'm very interested yeah. to see the Sierra. I'm very interested to see how that plays out. I'm sure uh, the testing that they've done in Europe is extensive. I think what they're going to impact, what they're going to find in the States is vastly different than what they see in Europe. It might take them a year or two to figure it out, but what you said i think before we went live on youtube you know the updates that come out day in and day out for these things it's not like um you buy a piece of red orange or green iron from one of the big three and the updates are you buy that first first model year guess what you're probably going to eat some shit because (laughs) they're just they're using you they're using you as bait right they're going to let all the yeah. sharks and yeah. all the industry come out and figure out what's wrong with that thing. And guess what? Maybe you get an update. Maybe you get a little bulletin, how to fix it, how to you know work around stuff. But for the most part, I think with these machines, they're so simple. There's really not – I don't want to say there's nothing that can go wrong with them, but there's very little that can go wrong with them to the extent that it's not design challenges that you're trying to overcome, right? It's going to be firmware and software updates that you're able to do in sequence right and and in cycle as you're mowing uh and maintaining so i don't know that's that's my whole thing is like i understand the apprehension and i understand where you know we're still in that early adopter phase of the whole uh you know acceptance curve of these things but the people that get in on these things early and colby you know kudos to you for for seeing the light you know as long ago as you did but there there's still you know as as uh cool as it's been to this point like man there there is a whole uh host of applications for these things that have are, are completely untapped at this moment yeah well, here, here, here's completely my pitch you know to to, to to sorry to cut you off if i did but you know my pitch to ray because i need you know, i've been following ray for years you know on lawn site so i you know ray is someone i definitely look up to so I mean, my pitch would be, you know, the people I think that get a hold of this technology first are going to shape this technology so we can shape, Hell you know, the yeah. industry um, in a very, I think, positive way. Because uh, if we don't, then someone else is going to. Um, I think that the things that I've seen that are, you know, down the down the road, I think, you know, are going to have an impact. And, you know, I, I want to be the one that, you know, curates that and, um, you know, helps, helps move that along and then helps solve actual problems like, you know, I'm looking at, you know, there hasn't been a pre-emergent technology on the market for how long? Well, what if we can use technology to help with our pre-emergence, you know, so we don't have to rely on, you know, these, um, you know, <laughs> newer, newer uh, chemistries that have to come out on the market and they have to spend billions of dollars, you know, to get these out. And um, so, so I think the ones that get to it first are going to shape it. And, and I want to be, you know, 
and people like Matt and, and Ryan and, and Ray, you know, I wanted guys like us that, you know, that have a passion and care about turf to, to shape it. Cause that is definitely going to impact the industry. I'm um, just, I mean, just from a labor you know, standard by itself. I agree. And I think that's yeah. going to be the, that's going to be the path forward is going to be, you know, you see what some of the guys in golf are starting to do with it and have been for the last couple of years really is where it's starting to take off. I think sports turf is well behind echo made a big push and really kind of fell flat a couple, two, three years ago um, to, to really penetrate the market. So I think with what's coming down the pike with um, Husqvarna now, like even the EPO system is, is functional for a lot of folks, right? But Siora, and you can describe what EPOS is real quick. And Matt, I know you wanted to say something, so I'll shut up. But Matt, go ahead and say whatever you're going to say. And then uh, Colby, if you can kind of go through for Husvarna what EPOS is and then what uh, Siora is. I was just going to say that the, the, the functionality and the, the, the functional engineering and the electrical engineering is there. And like you were saying, with software updates, you think about it like, you know how many how many uh, software updates or or iterations of software are, are being sent out to Tesla's now, and you get this whole slew of uh, new feature with your car, uh, simply through a firmware update or a software package that that you install, or even on on your phone, you know, uh, an operating system update. It's when you, when you apply that kind of functionality to something like mower you know it makes that initial investment a little bit more tolerable and i think now that we've reached that stage of the the engineering and product development uh, flow of the development of these products I, i think if there's ever a time to jump on it and embrace it and in the, the people who are purveyors of these types of equipment now, exactly like what we said, you get to shape the future of it. And that's why, you know, I can't wait to see an autonomous uh, permagreen out there making applications that does not make the same mistakes that I made over the years, right? I think about how many lawns I killed purely out of fatigue or being rushed or a dog was running into the backyard at me and it scared me. And uh, or it just jumped against the window and scared me, and I accidentally sprayed a hydrangea or something. You know, I mean, all of these things have happened and have led to, to accidents and uh, expensive ones at that, or, or mis- you know, miscalculating drift. Uh, because by the time I looked at the weather that morning to the time I got to the property, all of a sudden I've walked into an issue. But now, if you've got you know a, a computer that makes real-time decisions and, and precision based decisions and you still get to be the brain behind it right like you know you're you're the brain that is uh you know directing it on where to go to win and scheduling it and all that fun stuff you still get to be the the business owner and 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 also the brain that uh, plays a role in developing the functionality of these types of things i mean i just i think it's i think it's stunning and and i i am racing a thousand percent and I don't think it can get here fast enough, truly. No, oh, that was, yeah, better than me. Better than I can say it. <laughs> <laughs> He's a pitch man at heart. He loves he loves a good pitch. He loves yeah. a good pitch. Yeah, I mean, the first time you meet Matt, you think you've known him your whole life. 
first time you talk to him on your phone, he's like, he'd be like your crazy cousin from Tennessee. <laughs> Watch it, Colby. Watch it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Ray, I guess what you know. Do you, what would be your okay? We're trying to sell you now. All right, I'm serious. Like we've we've turned we've turned the whole focus of the next you know uh, thirty or so <laughs> minutes that we've got left in the show to you trying one of these. Okay, tell, don't tell me where you can't use it, but tell me where you can use it. You've surely got to have a property or somewhere that you could take this thing and tell you know the property owner whoever to hey. I just need to give this a chance and I'll be back to do all my crazy stuff of, you know, scalping it off, you know, three times a year, scaring the absolute shit out of you that make you think that your lawn's not here. But in between, there'll be this nice, uh, comfortable looking uh, piece of technology that'll keep you company, right? Uh, in between when I'm not here. It's like the ray away from home, right? It's, it, it's, you can even put a picture actually, of, it, of your face on it. <laughs> actually, Colby can do to that. Be, no, to be honest with you, I literally, you know, again, I'm keeping into account different types of grass. And the other thing that has become pretty hot here is dwarf St. Augustine. You know, the dwarf varieties of St. Augustine, they don't get as tall as Fleuritam, but in order for them to look at their best, they need constant mowing at approximately two to two and a half inches. That's their maintenance requirement. They need that. Okay. You know, that, that and uh, that's an example of the kind of place where I would use an, an auto mow. I'd seriously use it on a place like that where I'm not concerned about thatch. I'm not concerned about developing density due to overly frequent mowing. Uh, it's just St. Augustine, and it doesn't do the kind of things that I'm concerned about versus, say, Zoysia or Bermuda. You know, And, of course... It's, uh, you know, as I said, and the level of expectation as far as appearance is a little lower as well. I don't see, I don't think you need to give up appearance and cut quality and all that kind of stuff. Like, is there, uh, what about a Bermuda site that would make sense? I mean, Sean's, Sean's looks pretty elite. Yeah, his his looks pretty good on the surface. However, he has had, you know, certain issues that I'm aware of. Uh, I think it's, it's underfeeding it, but love you, Sean. But then, uh, yeah, that whole, that, that, you know, uh, I think that's a good. Ex- okay, so here, let me let me take Sean's apart here. I think that's a good example of what the technology can do. Take away the issues for a second, right? And I don't think those are necessarily induced by the mower. And I'm I'm not talking shit on Sean right now. That's not what I'm here to do. I'm just saying, like, if you were just to say and slice out, okay, how does the mower perform, right? 
and what are its limitations and what are the positives that it's that it's bringing right so i don't know i think okay so you show up to a lawn right here's what i'm thinking you show up to a lawn and say you're going to scalp it right well let's say instead of the four or five days of growth that it might have on it prior to you doing that that it's actually trimmed down to the exact height that you want it to be before you go do your scalp Ray, do you do any hard cuts, by the way? What do you, what do you? I don't do do any hard cuts. What do you charge for a hard cut? (laughs) Well, (laughs) nothing because I don't do them. I don't, I really don't do them. And you've been saving that all week. Yeah, you, you've been saving that because of that, that whole, uh, that, that, that other, that other YouTube video. But anyway, Ryan. The deal is, <laughs> is that here's the other consideration. Once I'm, once I've taken, say, an ultra lawn down to the dirt, the expectation is that I manage that site such that that doesn't become a routine practice. Okay, and the way mm-hmm. I make sure that it doesn't become a routine practice is I'm always watching nutrients, water, height of cut, and frequency of cut. I'm always watching it because it is very easy to mindlessly mow it at a set height of cut. And when you do that, that turf becomes satchy and spongy and it is time to scalp it all out and haul away all that crap all over again so this is really like off the cuff i'm just thinking about this but colby and and i don't remember from the husqvarna fleet uh software if you can even do this but are you able to track the battery draws so like okay let's send i i send this thing out on a mission to mow like the whole yard like this el toro zorgia okay and do i have a way to track and say okay hey that time we used 32% 32% battery to mow the whole lawn. And the next time we use 60% battery to mow the whole lawn. Is that possible to do that? Oh, my uh, God. That would be not so... With, not with the wired units, but that kind of stuff is coming with the... I mean, it tracks you know everything. It, well, it so here's what I'm saying, come. though. Is that here's a map that I, I have. This is my house that JP just pulled up. Okay. So I have, a, up, I have a video, too. So, so it's cutting my lawn. Then it goes across the street and cuts my neighbor's lawn. So there, because there it's gone. Do you have a? Do you across wait? Wait. Do you have a bumper sticker that says "I break for automowers"? <laughs> no, I, just, I stand and make we sure no that. one's coming. We yep. need that in our yeah. lives. We need. It's going I break for automowers. Okay. So here, and the only reason I ask that is because. We don't have, you know, I'm not sure if you're aware of this, like in high-maintenance high turf, one of the things that has become very in vogue is clipping volume, right? So we track clipping volume as a metric to then drive, do we need to apply nitrogen or not, right? And other nutrients as a result of nitrogen applications. So it would stand a reason if we're cutting the same area, and, but we're using more battery that we could assume at least in part, depending on the weather conditions and things like that, that yeah. we're cutting off more grass in a given mowing, so that's, right? And, a given and that's kind of what I'm talking about too, right? is 
is um, that for guys like us to say, this is information we need, you know, Husqvarna just up runs a program and it's, I mean, they, they put things on there. I'm like, why didn't you do that a long time ago? It's like, now I can just access, you know, the battery voltage with a button. I'm like, well, that makes my life a lot easier on some of these situations. Like, so they're constantly, they're constantly, they get, they love the feedback. So they're always making them better, but they can measure no, the resistance I, of the, blade, how fast that blade is spinning. So they can tell you how fast it's going. So when it's hitting an area that doesn't get cut as often, you know, it can go over there and cut uh, more often. So it's capable of making those kinds of measurements. We just need to tell them what measurements we need and what kind of specific, you know, application Amp of draw. measurement. And draw. Yeah, they can yeah. So right there. So, you know, this is what I'm saying is that it's it's trying to apply the lessons we've already learned for growing high-end turf, right, high-quality turf, but then using the data that we have available to extrapolate that out. And, I mean, there's so much more that you can do with that. I mean, we can then take and overlay our um, fertility programming and figure out, you know, rough, you know, roughly night, you know, nitrogen release and things like that. We can overlay our weather data to help us do the same thing because that's going to be heavily reliant on that. But to be able to have that and track it, like, you know, you can track clipping volume, but it's all – um, yeah. you know, done by hand. I mean, literally, yeah. you're gonna have to take that yeah. bucket, uh, you know, that bucket from a greens mower, dump it into a measuring uh, bucket, and then record that data and upload it or uh, implement it or excuse me, enter it um, manually. So, uh, you know, I don't know. I think there, there's a lot more to uh, unpack. To use uh, one of Matt's favorite verbs. Oh, I think we just lost Ryan. Yeah, I think I think he cut off. Michelle, trust me on that. Oh, there he's he's back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's back. He's back. But uh, yeah, because well, the reason why I'm even bringing this up is at every mow now, I'm literally taking a measurement and deciding how much I want to take off. And that is, you know, a calculus that I, you know, work with to ensure that the grass remains thin and short. You see, that those are good words to me in, in my market. Thin and I, short. I hear that a lot, Ray. I don't know why. It works, though. No, it, it, it really works when you have a grass that's an overly aggressive grower and a thatch producer. And at the same time, you know, I, I, I'm under a lot of pressure. Please don't make that kind of mess in my lawn again because it was epic and it was horrible. I just think that the other thing too that here here's my big picture view, and I am absolutely I want to say the f word, but I'm not going to. I'm absolutely f and nobody here, right? Yeah, mm -hmm. there you go. Thank you. Appreciate that. I feel like we're on Springer right now. I just got a it moved a little bit when I heard that. Um, so my big picture thing is that you know this. This technology is like 
the you know uh making arrowheads out of flint like this is so perfunctory and fundamental but the stuff that we're going to learn from it and be able to apply to all the other things that we do to turf and it's not going to happen quickly but there are so many more layers that you can add on to once you start to figure out the tech once you start to figure out the spatial technology once you start to figure out how we can use this to measure and quantify certain things in the turf grass system to be able to make better decisions and make more timely decisions right there th this is just using what is an easy low-hanging fruit time suck that people find solace in mowing yes but a lot of people hate and it's using that to learn so right uh, from a Sorry, Ryan, I, I uh -oh. interjected at the wrong time. You're good. But I was just going to say, this was You're sent fine. to me from a viewer. This is his robot mode Bermuda lawn. Right, doesn't it look like shit? Look at that. <laughs> well, it's hard to tell from afar. <laughs> Looks good from far. Okay, so then let's Ray let's is just think difficult about this to please, apparently. He is, he is. Okay, so I agree with you that up close, the texture of it might be not what we want. And again, this is something where I'm curious of the guy from Hawaiian Turf on his process and his methods that he used to scalp down and then begin to use that, that, uh, automower that robot as a as a maintenance tool right and i almost wonder and this is kind of why we do want uh i'm not i'm not advocating for this if you don't want to send them one don't send them one but i would love colby colby to send one out there for you to write the book on how to do this and i do think this is very important to me i thought about this and i chuckled to myself now three times and i have to tell this you know that scene in Home Alone where Kevin puts the train in front of the window he doesn't want the wet bandits to come in because he's scared of them, and they've got Michael Jordan as like a fathead oh, rolling yeah. through the window? We need Ray, a fathead of Ray, rolling around on an automower somewhere in Hawaii. I need that to happen. I need it. <laughs> J-Pink can probably make the, the fathead if Colby can get it on the mower and get the mower out there. But I think you could, I think if you had this and if you had an open mind, Ray, I think you would find a place for it. I sound like a salesman for them right now, but I, I'm just, I'm not high on any one company or anything like that. I'm just high on the technology and the ways to deploy it. And I completely agree with Matt and Colby. Like it's up to people like us who want to just uh what, what's the what's the uh this is the better way to say it the f around and find out ray this is the nice way yeah uh, yeah the the f around and, and find out uh and again i'm just uh looking at this from the point of view of what you know what i need to deal with what i've had to deal with over the years and you know the measures that I've taken to make sure that my operation runs smoothly. Got uh, to, got to, and go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say, no, this we is need another people one. to put them through the ringer. Yeah, I mean, we need, we need it. Ten million. That's the only way you get better. 
Ray, this doesn't this doesn't give you any faith, Ray. This is ten millimeters after sand top dressing. Let me uh, let me see the up close. I mean, it's uh, it's kind of shredded. I mean, I see the shredding. Okay, I see the leaf tip shredding. I mean, that's uh, you hear that, Sean? Your 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 tip is shredded there. I'll uh, I'll offer you change your blade, Sean, once a week. I I I hope he. Uh, yeah, I literally hope he is because uh Oh, from sand from sand dragging. Okay. Yeah, he's not he's the mower. It's from the sand drag. Okay, okay. Then that's uh then that's passable. Then that's passable. However Looks like garbage. This is no it does however this is happening on highly growth regulated and nutritionally uh, depleted Bermuda. Colby, uh, let me, that to put it in proper context for you, because I, I, you know, Sean and I have discussed his, you know, agronomic program, and you know that, you know. Shortness is partially because he has that turf locked down. In terms of growth regulation? PGRs, yes. I mean, he's got, uh, he's basically got it on my idea of a growth regulation program. In other words, uh, almost responds when you have the automower on there. Um, like it's under regulation. I mean, like the dandelions, they'll they'll start throwing up flowers like right at whatever height you're cutting. So they'll throw them up like at two two point five inches or or whatever. So the plants kind mm-hmm. of make a adjustment whenever you cut that frequently. I'm sure, but I'm just saying that in addition, he's put down a very good uh, growth regulator application to, I guess, keep the Bermuda. Dwarf, you know that's that's a key part of it. Uh, I think in that uh, you know I think in order for this to work on a grass that tends to you know have rampant growth in the summer, for example, you may be having to look at some agronomics to uh, go hand in hand. You know. With an automobile, because I think it would be, you know, it might not work well, for example, if you try to do this on turf that is growing like mad between, say, May through August. Yeah, no, I mean, we, we've had them on bent grass, this is kind of what we've had them on at the courses. And I mean, everybody's been impressed. Um, that's a you know, you're, you're mostly getting around here. There's going to be bent grass. Um, Excuse me for a moment, folks. Take that call, Ray. So, yeah, I agree on the bent grass thing. That's probably the closest corollary to uh, Bermuda grass, right, in terms of a growth habit, um, at least here in cool season grasses. And, I, you know, 
Stoneniferous cool I've season seen. grasses. Yeah, that's what we grew up here in Canada, Matt. Never heard of it. Nope. Nope. I think there's... Uh, I'm just trying to figure out... <laughs> help, help me out, Matt. Like, where if you had this in, uh, you know, Tennessee and you were back in your lawn care days, like where would you be looking to deploy something like this in your business back then? Uh, any and everywhere I possibly could. Well, I, I, let I, me I ask you this, Matt. What, what, what was your number one reason you lost, a, outside of death and moving, what was the number one reason as an applicator you lost it? Probably because they wanted to consolidate with who's ever mowing the lawn, right? If you didn't offer lawn mowing. I mean, I think um, most good advocating businesses lose their business because they just want to go with the long guy because they want to cut one check a month instead of, you know, four different checks to four different companies. Yeah. So if you, could, say, if you could say, hey, we can solve your mowing problem for you. I think I think that is a is a good one. And uh, and I go back to uh, applicator error. Um, how many times I make uh, a mistake that is, you know, purely due to fatigue, uh, heat, uh, the end of the day, uh, a, a risky decision that didn't need to be made, um, miscalibration. I, I mean, I mean, literally over, over the last, you know, 12 years, uh, how, how many times have I done that? A lot, you know, especially when I was a, a truck and a hose pulling kind of guy, right? Um, that, that is, is really where it starts to come in, especially when you're on acre number six of the day and it's 94 degrees outside and it's 84%, you know, humidity. And, you know, you're trying to, you're trying to truck a hose, right. And you pull up and you've got another 40,000 square foot property. And you're like, man, I just don't know if I can suffer through another one of these today. And you're like, you know what, I'm going to try and do one more and you pull it. And you start walking and then you get halfway through the property and you realize you've watched well, you've walked the same line four times back and forth. And you know you've walked the same line four times because you've run out of chemical and you had just enough to finish the yard and like you've only sprayed ten percent of it. That has happened to me. No lie. That has well, happened. Then, I mean, to me. Just, yeah. And it's purely from a a, a point of, of fatigue, right? And an applicator error, an unnecessary applicator error. And it's instances like that that can create a problem. And, and it may not even, I may have been spraying something that was non-detrimental to the turf, right? But it's the fact that now the homeowner sees me show up. I spray a few passes in the backyard. I go knock on the door to tell them, you know, hey, I have goofed up and I miscalculated how much chemical I had. I thought I had more than I actually did. And then I leave, right? And they're like, that was weird. Why did he show up, go spray four passes and then leave? And you know, what if I, what if my route's not back in that day in that, in that neighborhood the next day? Right. And I gotta, I gotta either make a special trip over there. or I'm like, uh, I'm going to come finish it on Thursday. Cause I can't get back over here. And they're going to be like, okay, that's just weird. I've had shit like that happen before too. So, <laughs> you, you know, all of these kind of, kind of culminate. And this is like the, the big game changer for me was when I went to just a simple ride on spreader sprayer, right? Because the number of errors that took place in a given year were drastically reduced. Right. And this is kind of that next frontier of drastically reducing operator error. And, uh, and I, I am, I am a huge, huge fan of that. Um, because you, you know, for, for me, the, I, I, I can't stand 
um, the the fact that I I know I have um, the the mental ability to to get a job done, right? And in most instances, I have the physical ability to get a job done, but mistakes still happen. And if I can eliminate the the physical aspect, if I can eliminate um, or, or or even utilize something like an, an autonomous device as a, a means of checks and balance within my own head, right? Um, it just, it, it works to everybody's advantage and it doesn't take any, any business away from him because it's still my brain that I get to program into this machine to be able to operate in the same way that, that it currently does. Right. And, or to, to do, operate in the same way that I did. And then all of a sudden, you know, you've got this, I don't know. I just think it is, it doesn't make sense to continue down the road we're going when there are options out out there like this that are that are coming that are becoming a thing i think i think it should be fully embraced well for yeah and that's why i some, that though that um um the mowers themselves haven't made an impact on sports turf yet is because of the limitations of the wire um, now that epos is out there you don't need wire you have much better control now you're starting to get people that have been thinking about it for a few years really starting to bite now because now you can do those cultural there's nothing stopping you from doing the cultural practices um you can go out there and then for a slice and then and, and scalp and all those other things and uh you know you don't have to worry about the wire and there's nothing stopping you um, from doing those in conjunction with, with the routine maintenance because to i love me, it i think it's great you know well and i'm going to go back to matt's point about how for application technology I would love to see uh, an unmanned spray rig you know I'd love to actually see that and you know the reason why is because I've been doing it for such a long time and I know we in as, as an industry we have lost so many materials because EPA has determined that human exposure, even to the applicators, presents an unacceptable risk. To where I'd like to literally take that out of the equation when they're making the determination whether something comes to market or stays on the market and it's like oh no problem because this product can be applied autonomously with minimal human contact yeah and that's where I mean, choosing uh, your chemistry is important like you don't you know other chemistries are going to do well you know and serve certain uh, well, autonomous applications than other types of chemistries well because un unfortunately I was, uh, you know, in the industry before Matt, basically, because I'm actually an old man. I'm actually old. So I'm familiar with the 1980s and 1990s chemistry, which is, by the way, mostly gone by year 2000. And one of the big issues was human exposure. It's a thing. 
it's a thing and there are and here's the thing you know when it when it goes into i think about it from the standpoint of how far applicator softwares come right um in the amount of of uh, self-programming that goes into customizing a piece of software like real green or service autopilot um you know the the effort you put into that the more automated and streamlined that sector of your business becomes right and as these autonomous treatment devices or autonomous mowers begin to uh, become more and more powerful. And you say the day that comes along where, where weed detection becomes a thing through some sort of sensor or photo eye or whatever, this technology is coming. Like it, there's no doubt about it. It, it it's is there. Coming. It's it's there. It's just putting it all together in a platform that is yeah. at, a powder, at a palatable price for the turf market and, and then, in a and we, functional way. And then you get the program, which herbicide tank, it's, it's the, your applicator is going to pull from to do that, right? And so you may have a tank set aside with Monument and Sulfenture Zone, say, for instance, right? That, that's, a, that's a tank mix. And when it recognizes sedge, it's going to do a direct application on it. Instead of, instead of it, you know, versus, right, you, it could be the same applicator and the, and the guy next door to you may just run Sulfenture Zone. And he, he may run a low rate at like four ounces, but you're coming out with six ounces and... Uh, trifloxysulfuron on top of it, and you're like, you, you see where there's a degree of separation there because the 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 nut said you spray is going to kill it dead, like gone, ain't coming back for the rest of the season, kind of sort of deal. And then the person who opted to go with a four ounce per acre rate is still going to come back, right? You know, you're going to see it if you're not getting those three applications down. So there's still that degree of separation between applicator to applicator, right? It's going to be who's willing to put out the better product, who's willing to program their machine to deliver that kind of result. And it takes a certain amount of skill and knowledge and time investment into into the trade of turf grass management in order to be able to tell that machine to do those types of things, to deliver those types of results. And yeah. That that is coming, and it still it still provides the, the degree of separation. It still provides the competition. Again, it just eliminates the, the exposure aspect, which is a whole nother. I mean, you we could dive into an entire two hour talk on the, the exposure uh, limitations that that all of a sudden are now. Uh, what a wonderful thing! What a wonderful thing! What if you could go out and get done four hundred thousand square feet in a day, right? observe from safe points where you're not having to track through uh, uh, yards with, with, with an herbicide application or highly targeted applications, right? That you're only hitting individual weeds and you can monitor your robot throughout, throughout the property and it limits everybody's exposure, everybody. And that way, when you come home at the end of the day, it's not like, you know, you're, you, you've got a, I don't know about you, but it's like, can't wash my clothes with the rest of the families or even in the same washing machine, right? And, it, it, you, and it's these simple things that we kind of adjust to as a lifestyle that all of a sudden it, it reintegrates us back into, it, it provides a piece of normalcy that we're not accustomed to that, that now we have. Um, and, and, and I don't know. I think it's great. And I, yeah. you can't, it can't get here fast enough. The cost well, the, the cost aspect is the big limiting factor, right? As time goes on, it's it, the, the engineering and the manufacturing behind it is going to catch up. And then, and then, and then it's, it's great. We get to apply our brains to these situations and it's a win-win. Yeah. And I think knowledge of uh, chemistry is, it has an, a more importance too. I mean, you might need something that has a, like a, something like a tenacity that has, you know, a higher range of, of what it can control. 
you know, but I mean, if you're doing frequencies, you know, you can, you can program them to do, you know, one week and then, mm-hmm. you know, the next week because the unit's on site, you know, Delta, hey, then yeah. you're mowing, spray. In two weeks, when you're mowing, you know, go on the spray program again and hit it with tenacity again. So, well, so well, I mean, then are, at that point, I mean, how, how important are pre-emergence, you know, in those kind of situations? I, I mean, well, I think I'm not talking more like, like a professional, not like a lawn. I'm not talking like, I think the lawn stuff's like far away. Um, you know, some of that, I mean, I, but I mean, I'm talking from like a for maintenance from a sports field perspective here, not necessarily a, a home lawn. So there's a lot of challenges and there's going to be quite a few challenges in a home lawn situation. Well, and you think about it from the standpoint of, of, uh, you know, you say how important are pre-emergence, how important is it as part of herbicide resistance management, where all of a sudden you can take off two years from applying pre-emergence, you know, hit the reset button, so to speak, and opt for a post-emergent only program for a couple of years, two, three years, maybe even four years. I don't know. And you get to make that judgment call based on your observations out in the field. Right. And, and you may say, all right, we're going to go post only first year. You have great success with it. Year number two, you have great success with, with it. Year number three, it starts to get a little squirrel. It's it, it, it's beginning to look a bit out of control and you can make an adjustment on the fly and be like, all right, look, we're going to run a, a, a burn and return application here. We're going to burn it all down, get down a pre-emergent at the same time, hit the reset button on where we are. Yeah. And uh, and it, it, it's, it's an instantaneous adjustment. And yeah. I, I don't know. Well, there's just there's even sense. a company, you know, I've talked to that. Um, I don't want to bring up the name or anything, but, you know, it's going to have a camera on theirs. So now we're talking about, you know, not only can it, it's more than just something that cuts your lawn. I mean, it could be now it's something that can protect your, you know, it can guard your packages. It can do that. But from, from a, you know, a pest control standpoint, I mean, and what if we can bring to go back, you know, that's, you know, towards dusk and now it's monitoring mosquito populations. Now, I mean, you know, I can use a lot of to go spray on a kind of set schedule because that's the only way to really do it. Now you can spray actually need it. Or, you know, does Bayer want that, you know, data? Does Syngenta want that data? You know, I tell them I spray, you know, 30 days ago, I sprayed this property. This is what, you know, the machine's capturing is this is the, you know, the increase of the, the pest, you know, populations after X amount of days and are in a real world situation instead of just having it, you know, sprayed on a tile somewhere in a, in a lab. I mean, you don't really necessarily get the, <laughs> the you know, accuracy, in my opinion, on, on those kinds of testings. So now we're getting real world data from, you know, all over the all over the world with the, with their products. I think that'd be pretty valuable. You know, some people are saying drones, and this would be my argument against drones, is that you've got blades rotating at how many thousands of RPMs out there. And that it, when we're talking about functional safety, uh, that adds a layer of complexity, right? Of it accidentally running into someone. You're still, even though you can do a, a directed spray, right? You're you're moving up and down, and the chances of you coming into contact in these up and down movements or hitting an obstacle, it, it's 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 a degree of complexity that I'm not sure is necessary. Hell yeah! Uh, when you can send. Uh, something like we're watching right your yard droid over here that can just walk walk over and zap it. Are you familiar with yard droid here? I've never oh. seen that before. Nope. Uh, me neither. And it looks a bit silly. I, I've never, I, I've never, I've no, never seen anything like that. 
Yeah. But, I mean, it also has some cool function. Was... I mean, you know, they're thinking in the right direction. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's I... something that they 3D print. I'm pretty sure it's a prototype that was 3D printed, though. So, yeah, yeah judging I... on that merit. I don't know if that's right. how I would feel comfortable applying herbicide or fungicide or <laughs> uh, or fertilizer. Or, or hey, Jay Pink, uh, pull, up, pull up a company called Auto Lawn, O-T-T-O, and then Lawn. Um, it's a watering system that kind of prints water, I guess, in a way. I guess it's going to give you a high laser. You need less heads. You know, you can put, you know, fertilizers through. Yeah, something like this. So, I mean, just think about, this is what I was talking about earlier. Like, what is, as a lawn applicator, who's my competition? I think it's going to be stuff like this, you know, that makes it easy. You just throw. I mean, think about from Ray when Ray talks about adjusting pH. Like, how easy would it be to just throw some pH stuff in this thing, you know, and have it every time it waters, it's (laughs) incrementally lowering your pH. You know. Well, that's uh, that's already established without the need for a computerized system, because you know what that's called, Colby. You stick a dosatron after the backflow preventer, and you inject your soil amendments into that water line. Oh yeah, I mean golf courses use that. Yeah, but I mean that's the, that thing's three hundred bucks, and you just stick it in and you take it out in the winter, and then you hook it up to a hose, you know, when you need it. So it's just the easy. It's yeah. not just that. Yeah, that's been around for a long time, which is true, but it hasn't been easy to access it. Yeah, well, like it is. Yeah, like actually, it's really horrible. I. Th- or, or affordable, necessarily affordable, because uh, I've talked to various people about injecting soil amendments into their irrigation sense, you know, system, and their point of pain comes when I tell them how much the necessary backflow prevention and actual injector pump is going to cost them. It's automatically a $1,500 setup, approximately, just for a residential sized lawn. You know, it's about 1500. Yeah. Well, I think right now, I mean, that's at the stage of, you know, your 5,000 square foot. I mean, that's not, you know, going to do a acre with that thing, but I mean, how many houses are really an acre? <laughs> uh, well, around and, there. And, and, and even within, you know, and even with an acre, uh, the only difference would become, you know, size of injector pump other than that everything's basically all the same but uh yeah i mean it's interesting to see i guess the out of the box thinking that has come up in the last 10 years you know it, it's it's very interesting to me but it's been there it's been there it's just not been accessible and now we need to educate people on the accessibility of the you know i mean running running fertilizer through your irrigation is nothing new and there's, it's on the it's label on you. lots of different products. Yeah. yeah the, the, now the it's just easier. In, com- in complexity there, though, is, you know, uh, 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 Nick is saying distribution issues, and, and that's exactly it. Think about how many poorly designed irrigation systems are out there with uh, uh, seemingly <laughs> random, yeah, 360 heads that don't belong 100 there. heads on 8,000 square feet property. It just drives me nuts. Yeah. And it's mm-hmm. it, so until if you if you have total control over the design and even in in you know just some shapes and areas are going to be just too complex with what we have available right now in irrigation systems to um make adjustments on the fly to be able to make sure you're getting exactly the same amount of water to every area in a zone 
right? So are you saying, yes, that is there or not there? Uh, Goose, your audio, Mike, Ryan. Mike. Hang on. Yeah, even with these systems here, I, I think I, I it, it's it, I don't want to say it's a fool's errand, but there's a lot of work that's got to get done. I think what you're going to find uh, in what they're seeing already, there's uh, a lot of really good work uh, at New Mexico State that's going on with um, drip and underground irrigation, right? For this purpose because then we really can uh, especially if we understand the physical structure and the permeability of soils and things like that we can really dial in a lot of that and eliminate waste and the next level of that then is what we add to that water right in terms of wetting agents in terms of uh, acid injection fertility whatever the case might be you know to, to think that we're going to get anything better than 85% distribution uniformity on a rescom system or a residential commercial system is like almost impossible. Almost impossible. So I'll, what, I'll be the stick in the mud on the irrigation thing. Yeah. I, it, yeah so it, will I. So will I. Me too. Me too. I'm going I'm to be bad about that because... Guess what I've been busy doing lately, guys? Correcting errors from dosatrons? <laughs> no. Setting up Fun robot more fundamental. Mowers? No, more fundamentally, fixing these half-assed designed irrigation systems where you have uh, PGPs randomly thrown into a yard, for example, or... Just heads not square or triangular spaced. I mean, in that, Matt, in, in my... that, <laughs> yes, you're not kidding. That is a real, uh, I'm going to use this loosely, but that is a real epidemic uh, of just horrifically designed irrigation systems. Um, I wouldn't you, even you... use the verb designed. Let's just back up, slap together, <laughs> right? Yes. Well, they're, just, yeah, they're designed yeah, to make the uh, the company more money because they have to repair it more often. Let's just put it that way. Well, yeah. yeah. So, you know, there's a hundred so heads. You know, that's an opportunity to uh, replace the head. It's, it's well, like somebody actually, coming in and being like and selling an eight thousand dollar irrigation system on three zones, and then uh, and then you know just cramming as many heads into it as possible, or someone selling a three zone irrigation system for eighty thousand square feet and only having four heads on a zone. And saying they can cover everything, you know, it just you you see such a, a a drastic variability there that is so unpredictable, and you have you you lose all control over those aspects. So, fertigation just ain't there yet. Uh, but I, and I know like in ground irrigation systems are becoming more and more of a thing in Texas, aren't they? Like in in Dallas Fort Worth, that's like the standard install now for an irrigation system is all subsurface drip lines. I may be wrong on that, but the pictures I've seen are I think, all coming I think out of Texas. I think you're well in Southern California as well. I mean, you're seeing them in a lot of places that have water restrictions and have uh, water use issues, right? To where that that's sort of the BMP good faith, whatever you want to call it, right? Um, way to actually, continue to be able to install these. Go ahead. Actually, the, the water conservation mandate in these. Uh, 
water rationed areas is, you know, the hill strip, for example, between the property itself and inside of the county's right of way, that narrow five to 10 foot strip of grass that goes between your, your lawn and the road. A lot mm-hmm. of these water restricted areas prohibit above ground irrigation to be installed in those narrow areas due to concerns about runoff and overspray where they say you cannot have your irrigation system shooting or running off water when it's in operation. So those are places where the Netafim drip line gets trenched into the area on a, on a 12-inch grid and that becomes your irrigation system. Yeah, I th- I think that's that, that's something too that you know as we continue to evolve like all these technologies and try that that's one of my biggest beefs too. So not no this is you know Col- Colby probably sees this too is that you know they're they're attacking one small slice of the pie, right? Even mm-hmm. even if you conquer this issue, there's still all of these other exigent you know, uh, issues within turf that you still have very little to no control over, right? All these other variables that still need to be accounted for. And I think that's what you're getting at, right? Is that this isn't the end all be all, but my retort to that is that it's a huge step, right? It's a big step and not just for what it can do, but what we can learn from it and continue to push the envelope, uh, with technology and turf. So, yeah, irrigation in in a rescom setting is one of the most maddening things I think you'll ever see, especially as a guy who came from a golf course where things are much more neat, tidy, reliable, uniform, all that. You get to rescom and it's an absolute shit show. I mean, it's like going from fine dining down to the worst Carl's Jr. Hardee's you've ever been to in your life. The ghetto McDonald's. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, we're not solving every problem. We're just, uh, you know, progressing to solve some of the, the more annoying problems, I should say. Yeah, I mean, I, I'd rather have human beings solving other problems than than having them mowing, you know, large acre areas. But uh, hey, Jay Pink, if you could cue, I, I promise I'd show this too. Where, um, so we do this real uh, quick. The, the line painter video that I showed you, the autonomous line painter. I'm looking. For oh, this it, is a I'm good subject. So I'll, 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 you want, I can take it away on this one here. So the tiny, a mobile robot is something that Otmo picked up. Oh, what in the last six months? I do not work for Otmo. This is just my job. Literally, it's my job to stay up on all this stuff and make sure that when people ask me questions, I'm not tripping over myself and being like, "Oh, I don't know about oh, that." Oh, I think uh, I'll have to it. go ahead and take into. Aldo says Carl's is pretty turnt. I don't know about that. I can't. <laughs> Matt, what what would you what would be your propensity to go eat at a Hardee's right now? Would you would you go get Hardee's right now if you could? Uh, honest, no. <laughs> end, end of story. <laughs> no. All right, take it away, okay, Cole. Yeah, tell us the, about this. Is this another video we made? But yeah, I mean. Yeah, so I mean, this thing, I think for the price point, 
one is just pretty it's pretty sweet um just painting a lot i hate getting drawing out the line and it's never straight and i mean this thing is just fun you can do logos i mean there's a lot of opportunity here for you know, some other cool stuff to do with it i mean i was thinking you know you could you could if you know you're working for a sports field you know if you wanted to do like sponsorships of fields you know you could put corporate logos or company logos or ship logos you know on the field and sell those so that'd be kind of a cool way to maybe make it even pay for itself for sure so but, you know uh, yeah i mean it has a sensor when it runs out of paying so I mean, it, it, it's not only is it's kind of weird because it's, it's probably one of the cheaper models on the market but it's also significantly probably the best of, of the ones we've seen of the uh, i can't remember what it's called the woozy i think and i can't remember the other one but uh yeah surf this tank. is it they have the turf tank yep and i don't think either of those as a, at least at one point they didn't um have the ability to to out so they would just kind of keep going they might they might have fixed that by now i don't i don't know but i know this one does so yeah it's it's interesting too and this is sort of a precursor to how Siora and some of these other technologies coming down the pike will work right because the uh, people that aren't into like the spatial technology of how these things work so like the the turf tank is another uh, j pink you can pull up the turf tank real quick um the it's the same premise right it's a robot painter but it uses a base station right to pull down rtk gps and correct itself in, in as it's going so the tiny mobile robot can use cellular data to correct itself or what it uses now is uh, a base station network so like here in ohio we have a free network of base stations that's all out here based on uh like the department of transportation they use it for roads highway bridge construction all that kind of stuff and it's free to just tap into it and go and so you can use that spatially correct yourself and have fairly low uh fees to connect into uh some of the more accurate corrections so anyhow long story short yeah nobody likes to paint it's a nice thing to do i think the money thing as it continues to come down in price which it just went up in price or it will go up in price on august 1st uh that's going to be the big thing is how badly do you not like painting lines i won't mention the price here but it's significant it's it's definitely significant so it's trying to find out like what that um equilibrium is for how quickly it can pay for itself and if it can pay for itself, because there's some places it won't, uh, but they still bought them. But, you know, I think it's a good product to have in the lineup, especially when you're a technology company like Opmo is and trying to sell these things. So if anybody wants to paint soccer fields on their, uh, you know, their house or anything like that, this is the way to do it. This is your best bet. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I even thought of, I don't know if other places have, I don't know how realistic this is, but I don't, I don't know why it's become popular, but they'll put big letters in your like happy birthday lettering. I mean, you could do something. I mean, kind of cool like that, like paint, you know, I mean, maybe there's a demand for, it. I, mean, I don't think there will be, but I mean, there's potential that, you know, there's people out there that want for events or something to, I know for a while it was pretty popular to draw the COVID circles in places <laughs> to have them go out and, you know, draw yeah, the uh, six foot distance uh, spacings. So, it's still uh it's still programmed in there i think you can still get that as a package so all right well hey matt 
why don't I got to bring us in? Why don't you take us out? Tell us about um, uh, before we do uh-oh, that. Wait, uh, wait, we have a wait. <laughs> yeah, before we do that, we actually have a couple emails that I promised we would address oh. real fast. All right, let's address them. Let's address them. All right. So the first one is just a, a question uh, from Michael. He wants to know why can't white sugar replace molasses in lawn debris breakdown and nutrient release? Uh, apparently, he wants to know carbs and molasses seem to be what gardeners think is useful in feedings and temporarily proliferating microbes. Why do those carbs have to be from molasses and not off-the-shelf granulated white sugar? Um, so kind of my initial feedback is going to be uh, the diversity of the, I believe I believe there are different types of sugar in, in molasses. So, um, yeah. And then you also have some secondary nutrients that are also in molasses as well. Um, some solids that are in molasses that would that would also have the, that organic matter component too. So, no, it's not just as simple as applying the simplest sugar possible. <laughs> if you wanted to make the argument that, uh, as far as what we understand. Uh, what we understand about molasses and the positive benefits of it is um, limited at best. Yes, I would agree with that. But to say that um, simple table sugar would have the same potential efficacy of molasses, I would not agree with just because there's a lot more in molasses aside from sugar that help it along. Okay. I just looked it up because I didn't know. It, there's sucrose, gru- glucose, and fructose in molasses. And table sugar is just sucrose. So there you go. And in All addition, right. molasses also contains certain vitamins and minerals that are devoid from white sugar. So there's a basically a broad spectrum of nutritional benefits from a gallon of molasses versus 10 pounds of sugar. All right. And then uh, just take two minutes. I'm going to show you this soil test. Oh, boy. We're back to we're, we, we've come full circle. We're back to soil test. Here we go. And while you while you look at this, I'm going to give you a little background real quick. So this is uh, from Geoffrey. He says, I have a 4,000 square foot lawn in Houston, Texas. Shade is. Uh, I was going to say, it looks like Texas. Looks like Texas. Uh, he does not have irrigation. He just moves sprinklers around. He's done uh, a 312 fertilizer, some prodiamine in February and May, but he oh. believes he underestimated the size of his lawn by about 1,000 square feet when he did the prodiamine uh, and the 312. So Ooh. it's a new lawn built in 2020. Uh, weeds haven't been too bad. He's thinking about doing liquids next week or next season. Um, the grass is green and growing, but he wants it more thick. Uh, looking at his test, Ryan, you got a 60-second recommendation for him? This dude needs all the 111 you can get, and he needs to get on the uh, ray train of citric acid, citric acid, sulfur, citric acid, and uh live his best life that way first you know he's gonna look at that magnesium and get a little freaked out and the calcium magnesium is all whacked out like just just right now npk 
and pH. MPK, pH. It's nothing fun. It's nothing fancy. It's nothing sexy. But by God, you got to get after it. Ray, what do you think? Uh, Same? Ryan, Ryan stole the words right out of my mouth. There. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> he just, Matt? I'm speechless for once. <laughs> uh, Matt, um, do you have any differing thoughts? Uh, I would apply equalizer and citric acid. End of story. <laughs> yep. Boom. <laughs> Boom. Mic drop. Easy. Easy. Apply it every, every two weeks. There you go. All right. Thanks, guys. Uh, that's, uh, that's the end of the mailbag segment. All right. So uh, real quick, before, before we hop out of here and we move on to the show after the show, I wanted to say, this is, this is pretty interesting here, um, had my first consultation with Hone. Uh, uh, and so you can go to honehealth.com forward slash grass factor. And uh, I, I, took, I took my test. I got it back. Um, I am uh, actually very low in testosterone. I met with the doctor today. We developed a treatment plan. Uh, we're going to do some additional testing uh, just to come up with the most accurate and precise way to go about this. So I'm excited over the next uh, few months here to kind of document my my success in this. It helps support the show. It helps support the channel. Check it out. For 45 bucks. you can get started. Real blood test, real people. It's time to take control of your life, your health, your personal life. Let's get this shit done. I hope you join me on the journey. I just got my honehealth.com for slash grass factor. Got my uh, got my box here yesterday. I was gonna do it live on the show tonight, but maybe next week I'll prick my you know, I'll do my prick. <laughs> you got a fast. Not my not my real prick, but my other prick. <laughs> you you wouldn't be able to yeah, you wouldn't prick. be able to drink on the show. You can't you can't you gotta fast. No, I'll do it first thing. I'll do it first thing. And then celebrate after? Oh, I mean, fire! Yeah, I mean, I I can't say I, I, you, it's still. I don't want to do what I did the last time, two shows ago, and say the f word before you can bleep it out at the end of the show. So I won't. Yeah, it's funny they tested my liver levels and all kinds of stuff, and uh, and I was I was excited to see that came back as I have a perfectly normal, highly functioning liver, and uh, I get concerned <laughs> about that because on on Saturday I do things to my body that no man should do. And, uh, and it, it turns out, you know, I've got a pretty damn good clean bill of health. It's just, I have the testosterone levels of a very old man. And, uh, and so we've got, we got a treatment plan in place and I'm just like, I am legit excited. It's funny when you're talking to a doctor and a doctor tells you, he's like, you have no idea the impact this is going to have on your life. And I'm like, wow. And that was legit really? what he said to me. He's like, this is going to change your life. And, uh, oh, and that for for me well, is is just so exciting. That, that that's, that's exciting cool, because yeah, that is that is. And so listen, I'm pretty satisfied with my life. I'm satisfied with my life. You know, I work hard, I play hard, I've got a beautiful family and all this fun stuff. But if I can get more out of it, damn it, I'm going for it. I'm just I'm tired of blaming everything that I suffer from on being old, uh, or, or old and tired, right? And, uh, and so if this is a, a solution for me to get away from having, uh, relying on these built-in excuses of, uh, of, of, of being, a, being a bitch, then I'm going to go conquer them. I'm tired of being a bitch. I'm going to go, I'm going to go, I'm going to go win. All right, let's wrap this you up. Know, We're going to the show after the show. What? <laughs> We're going to the show after the show. Say, if y'all want to come say, hang out. Say, go, 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 do it, do it. 
I'll say it in the after If show. you want to do that, if you want to check out the show after the show, and the way this works is that there is a link for 10 minutes, 10 minutes alone, and then it, it disappears into the ethos forever to never be seen again. You get one opportunity and one opportunity only to see it live. You have to join. You have to become a member. We have to keep this behind a paywall uh, because un in, if you're if you're soft, uh, if if you do not want to deep dive into specifics, if you don't want to hear humor, uh, if you can't handle uh, uh, adult language being spoken from time to time, it's probably not for you, and that is totally okay. That is one hundred percent okay. I'm not saying that everybody needs to do this, but if you're looking for additional content, if you're looking for additional entertainment. That is what the show after the show is. You have to become a member. We will post a link for 10 minutes and 10 minutes alone, and we post that in Dirty Deeds. You will find out what Dirty Deeds is if you do become a member, and you can check it out there. All right. Ryan, what were you going to say? I was going to say, I mean, I'm glad you took that liver test to finally, you know, when they were when they were analyzing that, they probably heard your liver singing, good old Rocky Top, like that. They just knew that the doctor was like, did you go to UT Knoxville? Rocky Top, you'll always be how sweet home to me. Good old Rocky Top. Woo! Rocky Top, Tennessee. Close it. Hey, we'll see you on the six, flip side. 